Right, this is part two of the live that didn't work out. So I've just disconnected my phone from the Wi-Fi, which doesn't seem to be working. Uh, apologies for that. So I'm on the, on the, on the Canadian network, so hopefully that uh, performs. So I'm going to go back through the questions. Apologies for those that got stuck on the previous live. I guess we'll just stitch them together somehow. Um, let's just go back to the questions. Let's see. Da, da, da. Oh, this isn't in order that they came in. So let's click on newest. Cool, here we go. Um, so Tian is next. So if you if you test a new product, how would you structure the CBO campaign? Um, so this is kind of back into my testing process. If I'm bringing in um, a product, it's at the test phase, then if it's just one product, it's literally just following my test process. So I'm searching for the best audiences, best ads, running a CBO budget, and then trying to um, Followed my test process to find winning ads and audiences. So that's kind of it. If you've got multiple products, then I would have one uh, CBO for each product and then kind of start testing between that as well. Um, how would you structure CBO for local ads? City level with the audience that is 100 to 150K. So this is a great question, actually. It's come up a lot around CBOs and small budgets. So when you're doing local ads, that's a massive problem because you're playing with audiences of you know, 5K, 50K, which are far smaller than, you know, bigger audiences that you can reach in CBO. So what I do um, when I'm running CBO for local ads is I've got two models. One is at the region or the kind of province or state level, I have my um, CBO set up. And then at the ad set level, I've got different towns and cities. That's easier to manage at the top top level so that you just have fewer uh, campaigns and it can optimize within the region. That works well when you don't have specific um, targets to reach at the kind of local level. Um, but the second model is then going and creating a campaign by city or town and then running your ad sets at the uh, ad set level within your CBO and then obviously your ads within that. What I, what I like to do is if, for example, um, so it doesn't say what your local ads are for. So Let's say, for example, um, you're, you're doing local ads for a restaurant, for example, because we have a client that's doing this. Um, we, we would then have the kind of city level campaign. We'd have ad sets that if we have one audience, and let's say we're just going broad, 25 to 50 male, female, for example, I would duplicate that ad set and run different um, ads within each because often that duplication can bring in better audiences as well. Um, if I've got multiple audiences, then obviously I'd let them run. Now, with the smaller audience sizes comes small budget as well. And the question is often how to get small budgets to work with CBO. There's a few different ways. One of the tactics that's working really, really well for us is using uh, lifetime budgets. So you would set a two week period for your campaign, for example, take your daily budget and then times it by however many days are in that period. So for example, if it's um, 14 days, $10 a day, then you can set your budget at $140. Um, then you let that run and what, what CBO does is it stabilizes performance because some days it spends when there's good performance, some days it doesn't spend. When, and, and that's one of the advantages with smaller budgets because if you set a set budget, quite often your frequency just maxes out or um, you know performance is just not good on this day and it's better on that day. Lifetime budget seems to kind of massage out the conversions that you need as well. It's not official from Facebook. Facebook will still tell you you need 50 a week. But from what I found with smaller budgets, lifetime budgets work really well. Secondly is to find a conversion event or something you're optimizing for 
that can get you that 50. So for example, we're working with a food delivery app right now. Their funnel is, um, you know, we run the ad, we get them into a restaurant, they look at the menu, uh, they select their location, delivery type, they add their items to cart, so from, from the menu. After that, they then register, after which they go through the kind of tips and other bits and pieces, then they pay and then they hit the purchase pixel. So it's a really, really long um, funnel. We did some testing and we found that optimizing for registration gave us enough conversions and actually those that were committed to convert on uh, adding to cart to registering were also likely to purchase. So we were just optimizing for um, registrations and that gave us enough um, stability and performance um, and to keep those ad sets going as well. So the, the budget you put in obviously is a big factor because you can't keep ramping up that budget for smaller audiences. Um, but using lifetime budgets and making sure you're using that um, pixel event as best as you can makes a big difference as well. Um, so Andrew, quick question about testing in the graduation framework. We sell a product with a CPA around 30. My fear is that the testing method won't really give conclusion conclusive results. If I'm spending $20 per testing ad set, so five ad sets with three ads each over three days, will I really get clear enough picture if an ad is successful and should be graduated? Yes, because the way we run, um, so for anyone that kind of knows my process, I do something called calibration testing before, which is to find the best pixel to optimize that gives me good results and good uh, CPM. If you're applying that properly in terms of graduation testing, then for example, if you're optimizing for add to cart and you know you, you work your way backwards. So for a thirty dollar um, product, I would say your add to cart rate should be around five dollars, give or take. Then I'm looking at that and saying, right, is my testing there or thereabouts? Testing is just an indicator. It's no guarantee. It's not like you can run testing and it says this is absolutely going to work. I'm going to get my ROAS and my CPN and whatever. It's not. It's just an indicator, and that's why it's kind of uh, fast, fast testing because I want to see what's working and, and what's not, and then move that into my optimization phase. That's now where I'm looking at seeing. You know, my CPA is um, thirty dollars, for example. Okay, your CPA is thirty, so you're, I don't know what your AOV is. Um, so if your CPA is thirty dollars. Can I now maintain that with the performance I've got? That's when you go through optimization before you do your scaling. So yeah, hopefully that kind of helps you with that. Um, Jason, do you use the behavior engaged shoppers in any part of your testing or scaling? Didn't find anything about it in three phases of the cookbook. Um, this, this is just another kind of behavior or something you can bolt on. So the cookbook isn't an extensive guide to Facebook advertising. It's literally how we implement CBO. So if you're using engaged shoppers, do it. If it works, it works. It's super expensive, high CPMs, but obviously the intent is high as well. So that's a completely different thing that I do cover off in my training, uh, full training program. But you know, if, it, if you're now going into the nitty gritty of should I target uh, people with children, engaged shoppers, those in a relationship, that's something for you to test and learn and kind of see what works as well. Uh, Thomas, what do you think is the best way to scale a CBO that's working well? So I did cover that off actually in part one of this live before I got cut off. Um, so generally, if you want to do fast scaling, right now um, I think the fastest way is to duplicate the CBO, use manual bid, higher budgets and optimizations to get that running. Um, sorry, there's quite a lot of questions. I'm going to try and get through as many as possible. Uh, Mario, if you have a business where you really need only to target 50k people, should you just duplicate the same ad set in a CBR, just run one ad set? Um, I, yeah, I think I know what you mean. So 
if there's just one audience, um, should you just run an ad set budget? So first of all, you know, at some point you won't be able to do that. But if you're using CBO, from my perspective, don't ever run one ad set. So at the very least, duplicate it once, if not twice. Um, for those that have the CBO cookbook, there's a case, mini case study in there that we did that literally. We took one audience, duplicated it twice, so it was three times, same ads, same targeting, everything. And the CBO self-optimized to find the ad set that had the better performance, and it was giving us better performance in terms of uh, ROAS and CPA as well. So CBO, it kind of expects more than one ad set, so that's just something to bear in mind as well. Um, Nicholas says to Mike, listen to this part around 12 minutes. Mike, you better listen to it. Um, Ashton, yo, you're back. Nicola, why ATC objective never worked for me? I spent over 20K in testing. Just purchase objective gave me results. This is for Ecom AOV 60 to 80. Um, when you say ATC objective never works, I think it kind of goes back to something I mentioned before. Facebook are very good at finding you the people that you want. So if you want people that are likely to add to cart, Facebook will find you people that add to cart. Doesn't mean they're going to buy. There's many window shoppers. How many people go and stand in, the, in, in your local shopping mall or whatever and see how many people actually walk out, walk into a store and walk out without buying anything? They're your add to carts. Um, in fact, they're your kind of view contents. Uh, but the add to carts would literally walk into the store, fill a basket, leave it there and just walk out again. It happens. Unfortunately, it happens on Facebook. Um, now, if purchase is working, I'd kind of ask you, why are you looking at ATC? So I, like, I, I don't know what, what your setup is and why you would move away from purchase, but if purchase is working, then continue using it. Um, okay, I'm just going through lots of messages to say you're back. I'm obviously now on a separate live stream. Um, Denard says your camera quality looks great. And then Damien says you jinxed it. You absolutely broke my internet by saying that. Um, it's a new Logitech, um, can't remember which model it is, but it's like the widescreen uh, version. It's, it's really good. Thankfully, my kids broke my last one, so I got to buy a new one. Um, Mehul, I'm not able to scale CBO with consistency. This comes down to not looking at the optimization beforehand. Um, and we have a whole process behind this. If you, if you do your testing and then you go and move it into um, scaling straight away, if you don't have stable, uh, stability in your estimated action rate, which I covered in, in the previous uh, part of this, and you're not, you've not got a, a well-performing um, funnel, your pixels are not bringing back quality info and data to your ad, so there's so many things that impact uh, consistency. If you're trying to scale too early, what you're telling Facebook is, I'm happy with everything right now, I'm gonna give you more money, give me more users like this. And that's where problems occur because it could be that your um, bounce rate is really poor. Your page load time is really poor. Your um, site conversion rate is really poor. Your engagement scores are really poor. But what you're telling Facebook is, it's all good. Take my money and go and spend it. And Facebook spends it. it doesn't you know? They're happy with it. That's where the problem happens. So consistency has to be solved before you scale. I can't stress this enough. It's about you know, how well do you understand your avatar? How well have you set up your ads to actually um, create a, a pain point or, a, or resolve a problem or identify a solution? Um, you know, uh, Ashton's on the call right now. Some of his ads are really, really good because they cut through. And when your ads and your offers and your messaging are so good, targeting and all that doesn't come into play as much because you're going to get the engagement, the reactions, the clicks, 
and you're going to get people into your funnel. Um, if you haven't done all of that optimization before and you're trying to scale up too early, that's where so many uh, people end up with performance that falls over as well. Um, Matthew says suggestions to com combat ad creative and fatigue in CBO. Always be testing. Like you should never have a period where you're not testing new ads. Ads always fatigue. They will always fatigue faster than audiences. Um, in most cases, depending on audience size. So you should always be testing. Like the, the way I do my testing is I find angles that work and then I kind of iterate within those angles. And then I'm testing different formats and headlines and messages. But I, there's never a point where there's nothing to test. There's always something to tweak, whether it's a thumbnail or just the design of the image or just changing the first line or two of your ad. There's always something to tweak and test to see what's working and have those ads ready so that when your CBO does look like it's starting to wobble, you've got new ads to come in as well. I think where a lot of people fall over on this is they wait for performance to go bad and then they're like, well, I need new ads. That's too late. You need to be prepared. You need to have that conveyor belt kind of always operating as well. Right, so I'm going to scroll through my phone now and see how many questions I can rack off. Um, Shivam, should we edit the ad sets in the CBO as and when required or duplicate and then edit, then publish the new CBO? How does it affect, this is really not helpful, Facebook, and have to hit see more. Um, how does it affect the CBO performance if edits are made directly in working ad sets? So look, you, it's not that you can't edit a live ad set or a CBO or anything like that. There's kind of caveats to it. So for example, don't be editing stuff late in the evening um, and, and expecting things to perform because you don't give Facebook enough time to stabilize. So general rule of practice, because um, we run an agency, we have some rules in place. Um, you know, don't ad edit ads later than three or 4 p.m. If you do, then keep a close eye on it. Um, and then the kind of severity of the edit matters as well. So if you're introducing a new ad set or a new ad, that has a bigger impact than, than simply turning an ad on. So here's the other thing. When we go through our testing phase, quite often we'll generate five, six, seven different creatives or ads that work. We'll put them all into the ad set and we might only run three, but four are ready to be run when we need them. That's a far safer way of cycling your ads than um, creating a new ad every time you need one. So we can just switch it on. That has, a, uh, has less of an impact because the ad's already in that CBO as well. Um, so in, in many cases, it's okay to edit. If, for example, performance is really bad or you've got very different audiences, audience sizes, etc., then I might take that into a separate CBO. Um, your second question, in most cases, the ABO works better. Um, all the best performing ad sets put in a single CBO does not work. Uh, may I know your views on this? What may be the issue? So look, if ad set budgets are working for you, absolutely continue spending on them. Just keep a sideways eye on the fact that CBO is going to be mandatory at some point. So you're going to have to switch over. So do some testing and, and find out why it's not working. I know you want the magic answer to me. I don't know without looking at your numbers and your structure and your ad account, but I see it so many times. Um, we're working on a, um, a migration guide actually from ABO to CBO, so that will hopefully help you as well. But you know, a lot of it is just testing piece by piece and figuring out if something's not working, why is it? In many cases, it's because of something to do with the configuration, the number of ad sets, number of ads, targeting, etc., um, and just trying to get that working as well. Uh, hey, Justin, when moving the ad set from testing to prospecting, do you put it in an existing prospecting CBO or create a new one? If there is an existing one, i.e. the audience already exists, then we'll leave it, um, put the ad into there. If it's a new audience and 
I don't have a CBO to put it in, then I won't, um, then I'll create a new CBO. If, for example, it's a 1% lookalike and I've already got a CBO with 1% lookalikes there, I will only add it if, if the performance is kind of not so good. If the performance is really performing well, then don't be adding ad sets like that. That's a dangerous move. Uh, Rishi, my ads are for on-demand apps. Rishi, I think, I'm trying to recall what your question was. Um, okay, so your, your lo local ads. So yeah, th so for that, um, I think everything I, I said applies. Um, for for If it's um, apps that you're optimizing for, then just test which pixel is working best within your SDK. So is it... Um, is it uh, installs or is it registration or is it a f pixel further down as well? And just kind of test around that. Uh, Andrea, what rules work across every account? Um, I guess stop loss is, is one of the most basic ones. So if CPA is way above a particular target, then cut the ad or the ad set. Um, we also, I, I think that's probably one of the most basic and probably the first rules that we have in place is Figure out what your threshold is, and you need some history to understand your performance um, prior to that, and then just create the stop loss. So I think stop loss for me is probably the the kind of most um, basic rule that you can use across every account. I'm trying to think what else would be kind of everywhere, because things like increasing budget, for example, if you're a local, um, if you're doing local ads and you're um, your your ad account, your targeting, your ad sets only have 50,000 people. You don't want to keep bumping up your budgets. So I'll give you an example. Um, we, we were looking at an account last year and they they I think they implemented some of uh, Tim's rules, but they implemented it all the way down into their retargeting. And at some point, they were retargeting people that have added to car and not purchased within the last, I think, 14 days. And the budget, because the performance was so good and their rules would just keep on kicking in every day and increasing budget, at some point they were like, um, I think like three or $4,000 a day on this tiny, tiny retargeting um, ad set. So I would say just when you're setting up rules, just be mindful of what you're doing and, and keep a track of, is it actually doing what you want? Because rules will do exactly what you tell it, which might not always be exactly what you need as well. Uh, Talia, have you found it to work to drop in new ad sets to existing campaigns or do you generally dupe the campaign and add new ad sets that way? Um, I, I think I kind of answered that before. So if, if, I've got a, an, if I've got a CBO that's not maybe performing so well, then I might drop it in. If the CBO is performing extremely well, I think I just got off again. This is crazy. I think I'm back. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's it's based on judgment. If you've got a really good performing CBO, don't don't mess it up. They're they're like they're like those spinning tops. Like when they're spinning, just leave them to spin. And at some point, when they start to wobble, then you can start edit them as well. Um, Mehul, how do we scale CBO consistently? I think I answered that in this other chat actually. Um, Sam, have you ever accepted equity in a startup instead of cash for your services? If so, what framework did you use for being awarded equity based on performance? I've had this conversation uh, way before, um, like we, we had the agency when I was doing freelancing and things like that. I never got to a stage where I was comfortable enough in the product, their own valuation, where they were going um, to kind of go down that road. So me personally, I haven't done any kind of equity deals. I know, for example, Max Finn um, is someone I would go to to speak to about that. So I'd recommend... Um, 
uh, try and chase Max up in one of his AMAs if he does one. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's a case of, you know, you're, you're taking a huge risk with your assets. So it's your time, your money, your team, etc. What I'm looking for is how, how likely is it based on what, where they are and what they've got to get their targets. And it's looking even beyond their kind of technical or, you know, capacity or capabilities. It's even down to the founder. Like I've seen so many decent products fail because the founder is just like, doesn't want to take input, doesn't want to take advice. It's just so focused on his own thing or her own thing um, and, and just doesn't deliver on what could have been a really great um, brand or product. So this, I think for me, at least, there's too many things that go into it. Um, and I've yet to find a mod, not, not even the model, I've yet to found a product that I feel like I'm going to commit and actually put my time, my money, my team into and, and try and make this work. Um, I've worked on the other side of being in a startup where an equity firm have invested um, budget into the business, but also invested their time and resources as well. And that's worked out quite well. There's a company in Germany actually called Project A. So they're an investment firm. But what's really cool about them is not only do they invest their money, they also invest their expertise. So for example, let's say you're a startup and you've just scaled to 100K, you've got to a million, you're now raising uh, capital, maybe at Series A, for example. You may not have a marketing team, you may not have a data team, you may not have a social team, you may not have certain functions. They, as an example, will come in and they'll, they'll give the investment for the, um, whichever round you're in, but they'll also give you resource. And I think that's so, so powerful as an investor to come in, not just with money, because the worst thing you can do is give a founder a, a pile of money that doesn't have experience of how to recruit the roles that they need. And actually, then being able to support them on recruitment. And I could go on a, a separate kind of path on this, but I think there's, there's so much benefit of that as well. Um, Jason, let me just see how long. Okay, we're at the hour mark. I'll go on for another five minutes. Um, do you use the behavior engaged shoppers? I think I've answered that one already. Kyle, social proof on ads is really big. How do you get the newer ads that you're testing to spend against the established ads with social proof? Um, I run a separate PPE campaign. So you're just within that, as long as the ad format supports it. So for example, carousel, um, DPA, certain ads don't allow you to do it, but copy the post ID with the post into a PPE campaign and just ramp up that social proof. And then again, copy it in with the post ID into your um, main campaign and just give it a boost that way as well. Um, there's a last question from Danielle. Hey, I want to ask how many ad sets do you put in a CBO? Um, I did answer that before, just generally and, and quickly, um, four to six ad sets. It does really depend on the, the amount of spend that I've got the ad set, the size of the audiences, for example. But generally, it's kind of four to six levels. Oh. Um, Rishi says, I've worked with them. They're very good. Project A, also Clear Bank is out of Canada. Great if you're looking for a bridge funding for your business. So there you go. Um, let me just see if there's any more questions. I think that's pretty much it. We're at the hour. Really sorry for the internet uh, problems. I blame it on all the mountains around here um, impacting the network quality. Um, but yeah, appreciate your time, uh, for, especially for those that came onto the live and asked six questions. If you're watching the replay, um, hopefully you've got all the questions down there in the context and answers as well. Guys, have an amazing day. Um, I'm going to go and walk out on the, on, on the Rockies and take in some cold Canadian air, and I'll catch you guys online.
Hey Ad Leagues, this is Deepesh Mandelia. I just had to look up to make sure I'm in the right group because I've made that same mistake before. I am in Ad Leagues. I am live right now. I think it's 1 p.m. PST. It's 2 p.m. where I am right now, which is in the Rockies, in the cold, cold Rockies, but it's all good. So I'm here for um, an hour to take your questions on CBO. CBO is obviously a hot topic right now. Some of you are crushing it. It's amazing. Um, some of you are still yet to try CBO and many people are in between as well. So um, what I'm going to do is to um, give focus to the ones that already asked questions and we'll go through that thread that was already created. I'll answer those questions first and then I'll come back to any new questions that you guys want to post down below on this live as well. If you're on the replay, um, I guess you can post a question. I'll try and come back and answer or someone else will. But for those that are on the live, um, just post your questions below and I'll answer those as soon as I've answered the ones that have already been posted. So I uh, appreciate you guys for being here. Uh, hey, Alex. Hey, Talia. Hey, Philip. And Joanne as well. How are you doing? So we've got a few people join us. There's 10 people live. Can't see all the names. Uh, Peter, Thomas. Um, so all good. Appreciate you guys being here. I should probably introduce myself. It's not my group, obviously. So I'm Deepesh. I run um, a Facebook ads agency, info products, e-com. Uh, I've got my own group. I've, I've followed Tim and Tim's path for many years. We're good friends now. And yeah, so like it's CBO is the in thing. I've spent a lot of time really figuring it out. And actually for the first six months, when CBO was launched in 2017, I kind of dismissed it. It was just another Facebook product. And after that, we kind of came back to start testing it. And about mid-2018, things just started to work. And here's the thing, like, um, it was one case study that I read. So I don't know if you guys see, but Facebook released case studies now and again on, on their website. And one case study said they ran CBO successfully, like some South American brand. And they were using one-day click optimization instead of seven-day. So I thought, all right, we, we were typically always using seven-day. Let's give this a go. And honestly, that was the one spark that triggered our full kind of uh, switch over to CBO. For whatever reason, it worked at the time, and we were just switching all, uh, all of our ad sets in our CBOs to one-day uh, optimization, and that helped massively. And then through the next kind of six months, we started experimenting with lots and lots of other different ways of running CBO. And honestly, it just gave us so much more stability. Now, you know, so there's some of you that are, for example, running affiliate CPA offers, and you want fast scaling. I still do believe that ad set budgets do offer you faster scaling, but in the kind of mid and long term, if you want to create stability, I still don't think there's anything better than running a CBO when it's set up properly. So I can take your questions on that to kind of understand, help you understand how to run that properly as well. Um, but the, you know, once you get your inputs ready for CBO, CBO generally just starts to perform. And when it doesn't, there's a few tweaks and changes you need to make to get it working again. Um, and like, 2019, we became exclusive uh, exclusive on CBO. All, all of our accounts just ran on CBO because it worked better for us. Obviously, mid-2019, Facebook announced that it's going to become compulsory. Um, so we're at the start of February now as you're kind of watching this live or the replay. Facebook said CBO is coming in um, September, then they delayed it. And the, the official response was they didn't want to disrupt Q4 because they have a, a bad form of disrupting Q4, right? So then they kind of pushed it out into the kind of start of 2020. They then said February 2020, and now the latest is um, they're still trying to get it in for February, but it might move over to um, March. So on the one hand, at some point, CBO is going to be mandatory. So that, that's one side. 
But where I want to focus on is CBO can provide much better performance. And that's what I want to kind of discuss with you guys and, and take your questions on, because that's the biggest thing. If, if ad sets are working, absolutely keep them going, keep running your budgets, be mindful that CBO is coming at some point, but I would still encourage people to test CBO because it, it does really work so well. So um, I'm going to go into the other thread and pull out the questions. So question from Justin, how many ad sets do you put into a CBO? So this one's quite interesting. Um, I, I, I've seen some wacky, wacky kind of uh, strategies where you put single CBO, 50 ad sets, you set a $50 budget and let it optimize. And it, it's just crazy. Like I, I know there's a time and space, uh, time and place for doing uh, kind of fast hacks and optimizations, but the majority of cases where we've found stability for our CBOs is running four to six ad sets per CBO. But it's not just any ad sets. We group our CBOs by size and quality. So by uh, size and quality, we would group a, a set of CBOs with lookalikes, with broads, with interests, for example. And then by size, if we have like a 1%, 2%, 3% lookalike, if we're bundling some of those uh, in, into a super lookalike, which is, let's say, we take a 1% of purchases and 3% of lifetime value customers and other things, for the US, for example, a 3% lookalike, you're looking at, what is it now, 6 million people or whatever it is, that as, as, a, as an ad set, I would not put into um, the same CBO that has like a 1 million audience. So let's say a 1% of the UK or something like that. That's, that causes instability, I feel, because it's a lot to do with the budget decision making at the CBO level. Here's the other thing. A lot of people, uh, well, I've, I've seen some comments saying that you should just run one ad set per CBO and it's exactly the same as running ad set budgets. It's not. And it's because the CBO algorithm is different. It's expecting more inputs. It expects to see more, more than one ad set. So first of all, the CBO expects more than one ad set. Secondly, the way the budget decision works is it's, looking across your ad sets, then it's looking across your ads, then it's looking across segments and placements and male and female. And there's so many of these permutations that go on that the, the kind of biggest impact I see is running too many ad sets in the CBO doesn't give it the chance to do its testing. And secondly, the budget plays a factor as well. So if you have big budgets, you can put more ad sets in and more ads and let it explore further. But if you've got small budgets and FYI, I've seen comments saying that CBO doesn't work for small budgets. It does. We're working on a guide for this. It's actually a lot easier than, than people kind of make it out to be. It comes down to kind of what budget you've got, how many variables you've got. So a variable in an ad set could be the number of ads, number of placements, number of devices, the gender, the age, etc. You minimize those down and then you pick an optimization event that gives you enough conversions. So a um, bit of a long-winded answer, but it's kind of, we aim for about four to six um, ad sets per CBO. Um, Justin's got a second and a third question. Uh, how long do you let your ad sets initially run before you start making cuts? Um, so the goal is to run it for three days. Three days gives the CBO enough stability, but there's always a caveat with this. Now, if we see an ad that's running away and performing really, really bad, I would pause the ad, but I, I rarely pause the ad set. So for example, let's say I've got a CBO, it's $500 a day, got five ad sets running, two or three ads in each ad set. And you know, within day one, you've got one ad that's just picked up too much spend and it just doesn't seem to be performing. What you're supposed to do, and there's a difference between supposed to and actually, what you're supposed to do is let CBO 
figure its thing out. So it's like, um, I, I, I kind of see it like having children, right? So if they're learning to ride a bike, you let them fall over and tumble a few times and they learn how to ride the bike. It's the same with the CBO. So you're supposed to let it run. But, you know, some parents are a bit more um, caring of the children, so they don't want them to fall. So they bring them off the bike. And it's the same thing with the ad. So if your ad is really badly performing in the day, uh, let's say it's got a high spend, um, you know, the cost per active car is wild or cost per click is too high, whatever it is. So what I do is pause it, but then I restart it the next day and I give it three chances. So if on day one it doesn't perform, I'll try, um, I'll pause it and then restart it on day two. On day two, if it doesn't perform, either I'll pause it and restart the next day or I might just duplicate it because sometimes an ad just falls into a bad part of the auction and then it just doesn't recover. Like the first 500 impressions is so important for an ad in the auction that Facebook kind of used that data to determine what kind of ad this is. And that's where something like discount bidding comes in. So you can, I think it's been written up in ad leaks, so you can kind of do a search on it. But the idea is Facebook, when it receives a new ad, it doesn't know enough about it. So it often serves impressions to the best part of the audience just to see what reaction you're getting as well. Um, and if it's really, really bad, sometimes it just, it just gets shoved out the auction and doesn't perform. So that's just something to keep an eye on as well. Um, Justin's also asking, how are you combating learning limited? Our ad sets go to poop once this hits. So if so, there's two scenarios here. If you see learning limited and things are performing okay, I would generally keep it running, but I'd keep an eye on pushing my budgets up if and where possible. So that's number one. If you're seeing that performance goes bad, then I would duplicate the ad set because you're um, trying to kind of restart that whole phase. You can restart ads because that also puts it into learning, um, back into learning as well. That really depends for me how well the performance has been. So if, if you've got an ad set, it hits that learning limited phase, but it was performing good and then goes bad, I would start by um, pausing those ads and duplicating them again. Obviously, post ID is better, um, duplicating with the same post ID. And if that doesn't still work, then I'd duplicate the ad set out. So learning limited, what I would say is, these are like the indicators in your car. So if there's a warning sign to say X, Y, Z is not working properly, sometimes your car just still works. You just need to take it to the mechanic in a couple of months time. I think learning limited is kind of like that. It's not black and white to say, this is absolutely not gonna work. And also there's some, some false negatives that I've seen with learning limited, where it, where it kind of puts the indicator up to say learning limited, but you have enough conversions, performance is great, et cetera. So it's one of those things I think that Facebook is still testing and start, still trying to get the, right cadence and kind of process around. So it's kind of use it with a, t uh, a pinch of salt. If it's working, let it continue, but be mindful of number of conversions and budget. If it's not working, then try duplicating at the ad level and ad set as well. Uh, Justin also says, how are you scaling your CBOs? So I think it, you know, when it comes to scaling, you need to look at context. For some people, um, scaling, there, there is no rush. Like for some people, they want to scale, but they want to do it profitably. For other people, scaling is super important and profitability can kind of take a, a back seat on that as well. So it depends on where you sit on that. Um, for example, you know, Q4 just gone, we were doing crazy um, scaling, which I think is, I think is fairly safe in CBO. We were going from like a thousand a day to 2000, 2000 to 4000, et cetera. And CBO seems to handle that okay. So if you go back maybe six or nine months, if you did that kind of scaling in CBO, sometimes it would just flush your budget into ad sets that just don't end up performing. Facebook made a change in Q4 
where they they applied a bit more um, pacing around budget increases because we had one account where we were trying to go from like 10k up to 20k and we we literally just upped budgets um, quite wildly on some of these CBOs expecting obviously the spend to ramp up let's say like mid afternoon for example and th and it didn't we ended the day with like 13k or 14k spend and when I um, asked Facebook about that they said they're using more pacing when the budget is greater than I think 30 or 40 percent so if you bump your budget more than 30 or 40 percent there's a pacing that applies and what that tries to do is preserve um, your budget and tries not to overspend it so if, if you're if you're if you want to do kind of safe scaling 20 30 percent you can do that all day long if you want to be a lot more aggressive I think right now and you know, bear in mind, this seems to change every three to six months in terms of scaling. Right now, duplicating the CBO seems to be a big, um, a better way of scaling faster than kind of just simply bumping up the budget, uh, budgets. But I would also then um, look at manual bid because what manual bid will do is when you duplicate that CBO out, and I'm assuming at this stage you've got auto bid, by going into manual bid and really finding those lucrative auctions fast with a higher budget, you're able to um, build better quality data at your campaign and ad set level than you would otherwise. So there's, there's elements of risks with uh, different types of scaling. But I think if I'm scaling fast, um, I will go into manual bid, go into higher budgets, duplicate the CBO, for example. One thing you lose is within a CBO, the ad sets, they don't compete as much as being outside of that campaign. So when you have a typical ad set budget, you have one campaign here, one campaign here, and you have ad sets below, even if you've got one campaign with multiple ad sets, those ad sets can't see each other. So they do compete in the auction. It doesn't mean it increases your costs, but it leads to instability because every ad is vying for that one user at a given time. With CBO, it makes more of an executive decision as to which ad and which ad set gets served to a user. So therefore it creates more stability. So that's just something else to bear in mind as well. Um, Denard, how are you testing in your CBOs? Um, so there's lots of different test strategies, I guess. The way I do it is I have my CBO set up. I have multiple um, ad sets running. And at the ad level, we, we cycle three to four ads that are running. And then we, we apply some automated rules that cut those ads off based on the number of impressions. So for example, if, you're, if I'm optimizing for the purchase pixel in my testing, I need about four to 5,000 impressions. Then I have a good idea if that, if that ad works or not. And then I move it into my prospecting or my scaling campaign. Um, if I'm optimizing for a pixel like registration, lead, add to cart, something which is higher uh, up your funnel and a fewer steps, then I need fewer impressions. So for example, we, when we're doing lead gen, we probably look at 1,000 to 1,500 impressions because after that, it's pretty much whatever results you've got are going to be what, you, what you're going to uh, keep as well. Um, so then we set the automation. We use Revealbot. You can use Facebook. I think it's probably okay. Um, and then what we do is, and, and this is why I love uh, Revealbot for this, is we grade the results. So I know what my uh, cost per whatever is, cost per lead, cost per reg, et cetera, target is. I apply like a 30 40% leeway. And then what we do is in the automation itself, in Revealbot, um, I do want to create a video for this as well is we'll put a kind of ticker across and then state whether it was within target or not. And then what we do is in Facebook, create a report 
that filters based on, you know, is it a winner or a loser, for example. And it's really easy for, uh, for uh, someone junior in the team on a daily basis to pull out your winners, move them into your prospecting, pull out your losers and figure out what to do with them as well. So that's kind of, I guess, the general part of how we run testing with CBOs. Um, I'm really sorry, I can't see your name. It's in, I think it's in Chinese. Um, so big fan of the cookbook. You mentioned audience grouping when testing and graduating good ones to its own uh, new campaign. So question one, does it make sense to simply put the graduated ad set into one larger campaign instead of also grouping them in prospecting scaling campaigns? Um, let me just get this right. So when, so I, I think I know the question. So when we do our testing, we test interests differently. So in different ad sets, we also test lookalikes separately as well. So the idea is, let's say you've got 10 interests. Some people might bundle them into one test and see how that goes. I like to split them all out because here's the thing, with any given audience, with any given um, creative, one creative might work for this audience, doesn't mean it will work for that. So let's take a watch brand, for example, and you've got some audiences, some interests which are related to sports cars, some which are related to, um, I, don't, I don't know, famous uh, sports players, etc. It may be that some ads resonate here and they don't resonate there. So for that reason, I split all my ad, uh, ad sets out by interest, for example, and run the same ads in each and see which ones work. Then when it comes to moving them into my prospecting campaign, I group them based on do these ads and these uh, audiences all like the same. So if, for example, I've got three um, car brands and three sports personality brands and those six combined, there's two particular angles and uh, ads at work, then I would group them together because for me, CBO works better with larger audiences. So where possible, I'm trying to group them up. And also account simplification. So Facebook have been pushing this for nearly a year now. Um, so Power 5 is definitely worth having a look at. And certainly from my point of view, the simpler the account is, the easier it is to kind of manage and, and the more time you get to uh, focus on your creatives and your offers and messaging as well. Um, second part of your question, is it absolutely necessary to group audiences in testing? So one to 3%, four to 6%, some to 10% lookalikes. Um, not in testing. So in testings, generally, I would test my 1% separately from my 2%, from my 3%, etc. The reason is I want to find which bands are giving me performance and which ads are working. So if I have a lookalike, for example, and, and this is a generalization, I would take a 1% of that and then I would test some ads there. I'd then take a 2%, which is obviously separate from the 1%, test the ads then, test the three, test the four, etc. Because then you might find, for example, the one and 2% perform really well, but the 3% is really poor. So rather than just group up a one to 3% lookalike, I'm now going with my one, one to two. I'll still continue testing. And in some cases, like one to 2% works well and you know 5% plus works. So I'm trying to kind of avoid wastage as much, as much as possible. And that's why I kind of split my lookalikes out. Um, so your third question, do you scale the testing phase campaigns after you've graduated the winners in them? Yes, so just in terms of my process, um, so for those that have the cookbook, Phase one is your testing. Phase two is your prospecting. It becomes phase three. So the idea is when you run your test ads and, and CBO works so much better when you've tested your ads and audiences before it hits the CBO. If you've done your testing, you move it over into your um, prospecting CBO campaign. At this stage, 
before I do scaling, I'm doing optimizing. So I want to stabilize my return on ad spend, my CPA, my um, whether other metrics are important, AOV, et cetera, and kind of working on that for a short period of time before I start scaling. Because if you scale too early and your performance is not stable, then that starts to cause you problems down the line as well. And again, it comes down to how fast you want to scale out. So the kind of optimization phase and the scaling phase are one, but they're just different phases. It doesn't mean, for example, you take your test campaign, copy it into your prospecting campaign, and then copy that into scaling, because that would just be crazy. Because uh, at the optimization stage, you want to now start building up that history and that data as well. Um, question from Core, how are you? I'm doing amazingly well. Um, I'm in the Canadian Rockies. It's nice and cold. I'm enjoying the walks. And I'm live with you guys as well, so life can be better. Um, Gil, hello. Are you using rules in your standard CBO setup or just letting them run? So you usually put some loose rules in at least, but only for a few days. It's a great question. So when, when I'm starting off my CBOs, I prefer not to put rules in because I want to see how it reacts. Once I've gone through the kind of optimization phase and I've stabilized and I go into scaling, that's when I introduce rules. And the reason is I want to observe and see what's happening. I think if you, if you apply rules that are too strict, then you might miss out on opportunities. If it's too loose, then you might miss out on something you should have fixed as well. So I prefer at least for the first three days not to apply the rules, especially if, I, if it's a new audience, if I don't really know too much about the account, et cetera. If it's established and I know the account really well, I know what good looks like and what good needs to look like. So for example, um, take Ecom, for example, I know when I have my CPA, my ROAS, what, good, what generally a good cost prior to car and got a good uh, cost per initiate checkout looks like. So I might set some rules up on that, for example. So um, yeah, I think running loose rules, as you said, makes sense. But I, I personally wouldn't really start implementing them until I've hit that stability stage as well. Um, Clayton, the campaign is hitting the target CPA, but some ad sets are really good and others are underperforming. What do you do? I feel every time I pause the ad sets, the campaign starts tanking. So first thing I would do is, um, there's, there's two different things you can do here. One is pause at the ad level, first of all, because you know the way to see is the ad set is a container. So it's collecting all the data. It, it tells the ad where to go out. It's like the general and commander in, in, in the field but the one battling in your auction is the ad. So if something's performing bad, it's the ad that usually is, is the problem. So I would pause the ad, leave the ad set running because, and, and I don't know if this is fact, but I think when you pause the ad set, it sends a different signal to the CBO than pausing the ad. Obviously, eventually, if the ad set's performing bad, then all of your ads get paused out, but I would still pause at the ad level, um, unless it's really, really bad, then I might kind of do the ad set. The other side of it is if it's an ad set that's been performing and then it stops performing or you know something just doesn't seem right, go into delivery insights, figure out what's uh, working uh, or not working. But again, pulls your ads out, but you can also set a max spend. That will just tell Facebook, um, you know, don't overspend on this particular ad set. So if you've got whatever budget you've got, you can set a max spend at $10, $15, whatever it is. So you can at least let some uh, spend trickle through, but just control it a bit more. One of the, like right now, when you use min and max spend, it does not reset the whole learning as well. And that's one of the cool things about uh, budget management in CBOs is increasing budget doesn't seem to impact performance as much as ad set budgets and using min and max doesn't um, 
and I say this right now because who knows what happens in six months time, but right now it doesn't reset the learning. So I would use min and max just to kind of manage um, your performance as well. Um, so Jason, I'm getting tons of add to cart and initiate checkout, even payment methods, but almost no purchase. How can I fix that? Th there's many reasons why that could happen. Um, the, the most obvious, sometimes the most obvious is, is, is the answer. Is the purchase pixel firing? Just go and do a test transaction and just make sure in uh, Chrome Pixel Helper that it is actually firing. Even then, I would also check the events manager in Facebook and see if any purchases are firing. Because um, sometimes you might see purchases and they're not getting attributed back for whatever reason. Um, then from a kind of user point of view, run, run, run a survey on your, so I'm assuming it's e-commerce. E so run a survey on your product page. Is there anything stopping you from buying today? Um, Try doing some cart, cart, uh, cart abandonment emails if you can get that implemented and just ask people, is there anything uh, you need help with? Uh, reply to us here. I would also, I think with Shopify you can't, but I'd also install something like Hotjar or uh, Lucky Orange to track the um, user replay sessions in your cart as well and see if there's anything obvious stopping people from buying. Um, so that's So I've looked at the kind of tech and then the website and then from your ads point of view, have a look what you're optimizing for. And the reason I say this is Facebook is really, really good at literally finding people that will perform the action you ask them to do. So for example, let's say you were optimizing for payment info or payment ad, whatever it is. Facebook will get you those and it will look like your cost per ad car, initial checkout payment info is really, really good, but no one's buying because they're, they're a specific type of people that Facebook have identified that generally get to this stage but it doesn't mean they will buy. Some people might, some people might not. That's one thing. Then the other thing is make sure retargeting is working. You know, it could be the, 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 the uh, case that your product is maybe higher average value or needs a bit more explaining. So people are going right through. I see this a lot where people go right through the funnel because they want to see the final price, but they're not convinced to buy yet. So work on your retargeting and get those people back into your funnel, sell them on the, the value, the functionality, the benefits, um, and any testimonials, social proof, that kind of stuff as well. Cool, so let me come back to the thread on the live. So Landon, what are your thoughts on CBO bid strategy? So bid cap, um, I, I think that's, so like manual bid works, it's still a good um, route to take. Just generally day to day, I focus more on the what the auction needs. So for those that um, don't know, um, B, E, A, R plus V is basically the auction algorithm. So it's bid um, times estimated action rate plus user value. And a lot of my strategies just focus in on giving Facebook the best inputs that I can. So um, bid, obviously automatic or manual. I prefer to start off with auto. Estimated action rate is looking at your campaign, your objective, your pixel, pick, optimized pixel, and calculating based on history where it exists, what's the chance of this particular user at this particular time of converting and hitting your conversion objective? So if you're optimizing for purchase, Facebook is looking down your funnel and say, right, historically, this is what's happened. You're targeting, you know, this person is 25 years old. Um, they seem to fit your demographic, but are they likely to buy? Because if, if, that person's, if, if that person's not likely to buy in your store, but it, they are on a competitor's, because that competitor's store has a higher conversion rate, has a lower bounce rate, has a faster loading landing page, et cetera, et cetera, 
guess who's going to get the impression? So that's a big part of um, trying to get the, the best data into Facebook. And then user value, it's, it's um, the engagement metrics. So um, your how well are you targeting, how well is your ad set up, and how well is your funnel performing? And, and that kind of all bundles in to building your bid rate. So when you run auto bid, Facebook is looking at all of those kind of inputs and saying, right, because of the value of this being so good, I'm going to bid at this level and try and get this um, advertiser, this user at this particular price. Where you end up losing out on auctions is because something down, down pipe is not working, either your targeting, your ads, your funnel, et cetera. Then you need to often apply manual bid to try and bypass that. So, you know, um, you might do the bully method, as Tim talks about. You might do three, four, five times your ROAS, your, sorry, your CPA, for example, and start doing kind of um, bid testing around that. The, the thing is, that, that kind of gives you temporary boosting of your results. So you can try and get into those auctions, but you better be getting those conversions as well. Otherwise, your CPMs go up. So generally, the more expensive, and this is only a general statement, the more expensive a user is, the chances are the, the, the more higher value they are as well. Um, Facebook, I think about six months ago, um, I attended one of their workshops and they, they gave me insight into how they see a user and what the difference is between a clicky user and a high value user. So for example, um, if you take a 12 month period, there might be one user who generally clicks on ads all the time and they browse the I think I lost you there. Um, guys, let me know in the comments if I'm, if I'm still active. I can't tell. I'll assume I am. Um, so yeah, let me, let me go back. I don't know if, how much you caught or missed of the last bit. Um, but I was just talking about the, the kind of view of clicky users versus high value. So if, if you've got someone that clicks every day on an ad, that they have a certain value and a certain CPM. If you have someone who doesn't click often on an ad, they might click two, four times a month, but they, they buy a lot. And Facebook obviously have this data. Now, when you bid on link clicks, guess which user you're going to get, right? When you bid, bid on purchase, guess which uh, user you're going to get. And that's reflected in CPMs as well. And, and that's why, um, you know, some, uh, cheers, Shivam, I think I'm here. Um, and and that's, that's where that's where a big part of this plays out where I see some people saying, Oh, just run a link clicks campaign, drive traffic in, create a lookalike. You're creating a lookalike of garbage. And, and that's a big problem because that's where optimization and testing comes in. Um, you know, one question I get often is because of my strategies and kind of low budget strategies, uh, why don't you always test on purchase? It's because I'm not trying to drive optimizations and things like that, but I am testing on users likely to make a, a positive action. So add to cart or initiate checkout because the CPMs are slightly lower and they're still kind of mid value. And all I'm trying to do is find a good matching pair of does this audience and this ad work and then push that into my prospecting, which is then usually purchase. And that gives me far better coverage. Um, so kind of going back to, um, I can't remember your name, Landon's question on CBO bid strategy. There's a time and place for it. If you need to scale fast, then absolutely uh, manual bid. If you, um, are struggling with your estimated action rate, so your funnel's not that good, your conversion rate's not that good, you can bypass. Also, if you have no history, 
Um, you can go straight into manual bid if you're confident um, that everything else is set up as well. So for me, I prefer auto bid, feeding Facebook what it needs, working really hard on my funnel, my marketing, my avatars, and all that kind of stuff. And I guess it's a different approach to some people um, that want to go down the more technical route. There's a time and place for, for all of that kind of stuff as well. Uh, Nicholas, what are the first two campaigns you run for a new client that have never ran ads before? What kind of budget do you use for testing? So the budget, um, so whether I'm running my own ads or for clients, it comes down to what is that budget. I don't, I don't kind of start and say you need to spend this much. But the way I do it is if the, if the test, test budget is $50 a day, then I probably wouldn't test more than five ad sets. If it's $500 a day, then I'm going to test more ad sets. So the way, the, for me, the budget defines how broad you can go in your testing and how quickly you can find those insights. 